Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. My name is Nick. And we are two members of the JLU podcast team who enjoy analyzing the DC films from Warner Brothers Studios. Other contributors to this episode are Alessandro, Rebecca, and Sydney. You can find us all on Twitter. You can find the show on Twitter at JLU Podcast. And in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about scene 16 of Justice League, which is the scene where we have Bruce Wayne uh, introducing himself and kind of letting himself into Barry Allen's apartment. So let's start by just talking about Barry Allen a little bit here. Uh, Nick, I think this is the first episode that you've been on where we're featuring Barry Allen. We've seen him before a little bit. Uh, Alfred and Bruce talked about him and how he's kind of squatting. He's living on his own, living sort of off the grid, but not really off the grid because he has a lot of electricity plugged in and that kind of stuff. And we also had the scene where he was talking to his father. So we learn about that dynamic, um, some of the turmoil that he's been through with his family, some of the pain that he's had in the past. And we see that Barry is kind of preoccupied with his father's imprisonment. You know, he hasn't moved on from that. Uh, and his father is kind of telling him, I want you to move on in your life and sort of. Uh, and in this scene, we'll actually see Barry kind of moving on in his life. He's actually saying, I need friends. I'm going to actually try this new opportunity that has fallen in my lap. So this one, we'll get to see Barry Allen, get to know him a little bit more. But what are your thoughts on on the character and what we've seen from him so far in this early part of the movie? I think he's introduced pretty well and uh, worked into the story pretty well. And he's just, he's a fun character to have around. So, you know, the more scenes with uh, Barry, the better. He brings uh, an energy. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, another thing that uh, we have seen about Barry Allen, the Flash, in this universe is we saw him in a convenience store in BVS, uh, some security camera footage of him. He was there at the right time and sort of took out a, a would-be robber. Uh, and then we also saw a scene with him in Suicide Squad where he arrives on the scene and he has his Flash suit and takes care of Captain Boomerang there uh, at that attempted theft. So... We've seen him a couple times, but now we're getting to know his personality. We're actually finding out some things about him. So I kind of wanted to I wanted to talk about that scene real quick because it was it was directed by Zack Snyder. Uh, there's this little touch to it. If you watch that scene, um, the part where he like tackles Captain Boomerang, if you watch that frame by frame, you can see that he isn't running at him. He actually walks up to Captain Boomerang, so he like walks up to the camera and is sort of looking at it. So, so you can tell he's like walked up at super speed. The same way he's like standing here in this scene and just sort of casually grabs the batarang. Mm-hmm. Like he he actually just walks up to him and like looks him in the eye and then shoves him. And you you only see a few like it's mixed in. Like each like one panel will have a couple of like a time lapse of him moving. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's pretty cool. Go back and watch that frame by frame. It's a kind of detail Zack Snyder brings to these movies, and I really appreciate it. That's a really cool idea because he doesn't need to run really fast. Exactly. He actually can kind of control time. <laughs> so so if, he, if, if time slows down for him, then yeah, he can walk up and he can do whatever kind of push or shove he wants to do. Look at Bruce. He can grab the bad ring. Like, that actually makes sense. Oh, he's able to draw on the guy's face at the prison. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So yeah, he, he kind of is having fun with the, with the speed force. To this point, which makes sense because he hasn't, as we find out later, he hasn't, like, taken his powers into full battle and he hasn't tried to take on, like, massive supervillains or anything. He's basically a young guy who is kind of having fun with the fact that he has this power, um, but his personality still comes through even when he is in the Speed Force. So, yeah, I like that a lot. I do want to say, too, uh, about Barry Allen. So, Alessandro found this quote for us from Ezra Miller, and this is in the Art of the Film book, but Ezra Miller said... 
Quote, Barry grew up in traumatic circumstances in the world of superheroes. Then he gained his powers, and he's trying to figure out how to use them for good. He's almost waiting for other superheroes to recognize him. So I think when that happens, he's just so happy and thrilled. And that's a kind of interesting angle on it going into this scene, where he has these powers, he's not sure what to do with them, he's kind of just doing odd things here and there, depending on the moment, almost just by chance. But now he's sort of like, aha, like some other people, I'm ready to kind of join in. And he he's kind of that person on the team who is still learning, and Bruce gives him some advice later and that sort of thing. So I think he's a really nice addition to the dynamics of the team. Yeah, exactly. He's like the, the young guy, but not the serious guy like Cyborg. He's more... Uh, they, kind of, they all kind of have an overlap, don't they? They all have these weird overlaps, like a bunch of uh, Venn diagrams. You know what I mean? Like uh, like Barry's got the whole... He's got the, the dead parents thing, just like Batman, but mm-hmm. he's also got the yeah, secret identity thing, like a lot of the other guys. You know, uh, Aquaman, we're going to talk about later, uh, Aquaman's got the of two world things, like Superman. You know what I mean? He's also... Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that about these guys. Yeah, you're right. And like uh, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are both sort of of two worlds, like another society, but then also man's world, you know? Yeah, exactly. Born dignitaries. Um, let's let's go into the scene a little bit here. So Barry is arriving uh, at his sort of makeshift apartment kind of thing. Uh, it's right near train track. There's a train going by. We can hear that. So it kind of shows you what part of town he's in. There's a dirty mattress and stuff. It's you know kind of disheveled around the outside. So he's kind of eluding a lot of attention by just putting himself in a you know part of town, part of the city that's not does not get a lot of attention. Um, I also see on, on the back there where the train's going by, I see like an outline of Ohio with NWWR, which is probably like a train line or something, Northern, Northwest something railroad, railway. Um, but that could mean anything because, you know, that, that rail line could go from the East Coast to all the way through Ohio and so forth. So, yeah. Did Bruce go all the way out to Central City? Is that what we, is that what Alfred and Bruce talked about? They're going to take a plane back. So, yeah, he flew a plane and rented that nice car that we'll see later. Yeah, they're in Central City, yeah. I can see that being like Cleveland or something, especially if there's like a lot of trains. They got a, they got, that city is Crossroads of America. You know, you got all the trains and boats that come through there. Right. Like if uh, Gotham is in New Jersey and Metropolis is in, I don't know, either Delaware or is it uh, New York? It's hard to tell. Or is it its own kind of district of Metropolis kind of thing? I mean, geographically. Yeah, I mean, I think it's right next to New Jersey, um, but it could be its own district, sort of where New York I'm is in real it's life. New yeah. York City, and then yeah. uh, Gotham is Jersey City in that framework. Maybe Central City's like Cleveland. Right, yeah, yeah. Then that Ohio signal actually makes a lot of sense. Most cases, it's like Kansas or something like that. Yeah, I think, wasn't there also a trailer where when Bruce pulls away, you can actually see the sign that says, like, Central City as the the car pulls up the, like, exit ramp or whatever? Oh, no. I didn't catch that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not in the film. I think it was in a trailer. So they gave just an, an extra two seconds of uh, seeing the, where the car is. But like you said, they couldn't have those extra two seconds because they had to be... Two hours, zero minutes, one second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, Barry unlocks his, his door here and goes inside, and as soon as we go inside, he kind of you know turns the power on, and we see a ton of screens, computer screens, TV screens, screens that are hanging from the ceiling. Like, this guy's got a lot of screens going on. What do you think it took to set up? Like, five minutes? Ten minutes? <laughs> 
Alessandro found out that Zack Snyder was actually personally like really in love with the idea of having all these screens around. So that's kind of interesting to think about. That makes it. I can. He would definitely be like an Ozymandias type, except without all the, I don't know, horrifying stuff. But you know, like uh, <laughs> for sure, I can see him like literally watching ten TV shows at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got a bookshelf. He's got uh, a bike off to the side, and then to the right, everybody will kind of notice right away. There's a flash suit standing up on a possibly on a crash test dummy uh, mannequin kind of thing. But. As soon as he turns on the light, right underneath a lamp in the uh, in one of one of the second favorite chair is uh, a Bruce Wayne sitting there casually. But you know that before Barry came home, Bruce Wayne was just kind of rummaging through and looking around at, at what was in this apartment. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I can see him just you know just doing the Batman stalk, just walking around looking, picking up the occasional thing. World's greatest detective. <laughs> and one of the things, uh, so you detected one of the things on the TV that's actually playing and uh, a music video in the background. Uh, oh, the music video, uh, yeah, the song that comes on, I had to look it up. It's called uh, Magi Mag Cholom, Like It's Your Last, by the K-pop group Blackpink. It's pretty good. I listen to it. I mean, you know, I like uh, Gangnam Style. I like people like singing and rapping in other languages. It's fun. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fun song. I can see why you'd like that. Yeah, and there was an interview, I think, during like the promotion of this movie or following up, where Ezra Miller said he's actually personally a fan of that song and of Blackpink. Okay, yeah. <laughs> he might have had a hand in actually kind of picking that. It might have been a deal with the K-pop record label to get in the movie, or it could have been Ezra Miller sort of being able to pick pick something that he oh, likes. Oh, I was actually, I was looking at their webpage, or not their webpage, I was looking at Wikipedia. I don't know who their record label is. Now you got me thinking about that, because I wonder <laughs> if it's one of things where it's owned by Warner Brothers or if they right. license. Yeah. Yeah. Question. Uh, and I think at some point, one of the TV screens flashes on Rick and Morty, or there's one kind of off to the right. Is that true, or did you did you catch that? Oh, yeah. Not a, I, don't, I don't know a lot about Rick and Morty, but it seemed like that kind of style of animation. It's Oh, no, it's, a, it's, a, it's that show. It's the uh, end of an episode. Oh, I forget what it's called, but it's the one where uh, the, the devil opens up like a second-hand store, and, and he starts a fight with Morty. Pretty funny. Good. <laughs> okay. I think it goes to just show Barry's personality, you know, like, into a lot of technology, um, builds his own suit, um, but also has kind of this, you know, eclectic pop culture taste uh, and youthful kind of thing. So even that kind of stuff, set decoration, is kind of adding to the character. Well, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a millennial, so he's got to be listening to K-pop and watching Rick and Morty. He's like one side of that coin, and then, like, well, actually, you know what? I guess they're all millennials except for Batman and Wonder Woman. I didn't really think about that. Hmm. Wow, they're all so young. Damn. Damn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, even Clark Kent is in his, like, 30s, right? Early 30s? Yeah, exactly. 30, yeah. Yeah. 35. yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. In terms of the eclectic tastes, uh, the color palette is also kind of eclectic. Like, there's a bit of a greenish-blue kind of hue in the in the atmosphere of the room. But there's reds and yellows and orange and purple and, you know, it's kind of just a smattering. But I think also that goes to the character. Like, this is a character who kind of puts a mishmash of things together and, uh, you know. He's, he's really working with what he can get his hands on. But imagine, just imagine searching a dump at the speed of light. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be, you know, like trying to dig through and find a little computer that works. Oh, my God. But if you could do it and literally cover the entire, like, junkyard in, like, I don't know, five, ten minutes. Yeah, it doesn't seem to bother him when he's going at super speed. It doesn't seem like he has to, he spends like 10 hours doing something and he has to stop. I, I don't know, because that might look like half an hour or something to us. I have no idea. 
I, I wonder what the, the physics of that is. Mm-hmm. If he has to, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I don't know. That was, but that's what I was thinking about him having an abandoned building by the, the rail yard. Like he could do all that stuff in the building, set everything up at light speed. Because if there's like lightning and stuff going off, one, he can check, he can patrol the area. Yeah. But two, you know, nobody's going to notice the train, the rail yard at one in the morning. Mm-hmm. You know, some like small explosions in a building, I guess, uh, too loud. Hmm. Actually, yeah, imagine what he could get done in the time it takes a train to go past. That's right. He could just wait for it. Yep. And then get a lot. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking like acquiring the TVs and computers and all that stuff. Like, there's definitely a lot of odd jobs and ways that you could earn money if you were super fast you could you could say all right hey here's a task that i can complete and you'll pay me you know two hundred dollars to do it all right look the other way and i'm going to finish it really fast later collect my two hundred dollars i'll sit in two weeks do it that night bring it back in a week and a half exactly yep so i i i believe that he could have just with odd jobs here and there honestly earned the money to buy that kind of stuff so I'm, you know, I don't have a problem with the apartment, even though he's living "quote unquote" off the grid. As uh, I like the idea of him like repurposing a bunch of stuff. If you find it, and like a, you know, if the stuff people leave on their on the sidewalk, mm-hmm. I, if you could again, if you could canvas a whole city in seconds, I yeah. mean, yeah, you right. probably get a lot of stuff. I, I'm not saying he's like going to bed, like walking in a Radio Shack, and though obviously not, but yeah, man, that would be cool. Damn, dude. Mm-hmm. One thing I like about it too, so for you know Barry having this super speed, I like it that he never actually seems scared or flustered that there's a strange man in his apartment, because Barry knows you're not really a threat to me. If you pull a gun, if you try to make a move on me, I can be like so fast around you and counter moving. So I think it makes sense that he's basically like, all right, there's a guy here. I'm gonna have a little bit of fun. I'm gonna be sarcastic, and he's not actually scared, which which t- makes total sense to me. He should be a little worried because now his identity, like the guy knows his face at least, that's not ideal. But yeah, you're but right. But he's not, it's not, he's like not physically problem. scared of like being physically yeah. harmed or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have to, ah, oh, gee, mister, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how tall is Ben Affleck? Big ass Batman standing there. Oh, geez. <laughs> so they, uh, they do their nice introductions. Barry Allen, Bruce Wayne. I think it's nice how confident Bruce is. And then, you know, Barry's response about the total stranger. The uh, the second favorite chair is not my favorite line here from Barry, but there are I do like Barry's style and his personality in this scene. Um, although I'm not a huge fan of the in my second favorite chair, just my own personal response to that particular line. Well, I think it, to me I always read that as he may not actually have anything to worry about, but again, it, that's actually Batman, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know that. But that's still like a big scary guy. He, like turns around, <laughs> so he's just like in my second favorite chats that's like a that's a good good comedy bit you know like yeah yeah it's it's fine uh i like this next part better though when bruce wayne shows him the security camera a a snapshot from security camera footage which fans of bvs can just really enjoy like yes we have connections to bvs like not just ben affleck as bruce wayne but we have substance from things that we loved and saw in bvs so, yeah, cool to see that. Uh, just a nice throwback to, you know, a movie that I love. Uh, and it's cool to see Barry reacting to it as well. And I like this part here. He only kind of half looks at it, and he's already saying, like, it's definitely not me. Uh, so that's a funny reaction to it. Nice Jewish boy. Maybe you picked your pocket. <laughs> and I also like it, too, how, like, Bruce has already figured him out completely. 
and Barry's playing with Bruce and Bruce is playing with Barry. So Barry, Bruce is like, okay, you're going to be sarcastic about the photo. I'm going to stroll right over here to this suit. <laughs> just like, how about, how are you going to explain this suit that I'm looking at right here? Uh, I think that's just a nice beat <laughs> going from the photo to the, to the suit. And he's obviously already totally pinned him down. World's greatest detective. <laughs> so here he says, I know you have abilities. Uh, he has, isn't saying what, yeah, yeah, I just don't know what they are. But he must have a little bit of a hunch of what they are because he did see the security camera footage and he is going to throw a battering at him. So he has a little bit of a hunch of what the, what the powers are. And, I mean, if you're only... Imagine, ooh, oh, just imagine trying to figure them out, though. At first, you'd be unsure. If you, you don't know what the Flash is. You don't, you know, uh, maybe he doesn't read comic books in his universe. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just imagining him working it out, watching these videos. Aquaman's pretty obvious right up front. Uh, but, you know, just... Uh, seeing Cyborg develop whatever footage is available of him and and anything to figure out about Wonder Woman. Oh, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. But yeah, like you said, uh, he clearly has an idea. I love this scene. I love uh, yeah, I love what happens next. Oh, yes. Yeah, and before before the, the next moment, which is kind of the key moment of the scene, I do really like um, Barry Allen and also Ezra Miller's de- delivery here on his special skills. So he says... I think he pronounces it like Viola, yeah, he does. which is like Viola Davis, yeah. where I played Viola and everybody I knew calls it Viola, like not Viola. Yeah. So I yeah. wonder if that's like a fun little nod to another uh, DCU actress. Well, I, I don't know. I think it's bullshitting, but yeah, probably that. Yeah. Web design is, is just a nice quick one. But then the, the one that will stick out to DC fans is fluent in sign language. Gorilla Sign Language, uh, which is probably just a quick little nod to Gorilla Grodd. <laughs> yeah. So that's a fun little thing here uh, as we set it up. But again, Bruce calls him out. So like, <laughs> this is uh, this is more than just a suit here. It's uh, silica-based quartz, sand fabric, abrasion-resistant, heat-resistant. So this is like some serious stuff that he put together for his suit. And about the suit, uh, Alessandro also pulled something for us from the Ultimate Guide to Justice League uh, and some of the thoughts from the creative team about the Flash's suit and the fact that Barry was creating his own suit, or at least this version of, you know, his kind of preliminary suit was, you know, self-made. But they were saying that he would use whatever he was around him. He could break into stuff and kind of find some products and advancements and, like, just take a little bit of it that he could use in his uh, suit, things that would uh, withstand extreme heat, for example. So the idea is he kind of stole what he needed to make the suit, or at least kind of recovered it, as you might say, like, uh, you know, from somewhere, somebody that wasn't using it. Um, But they also said, uh, quote, it also features an intricate wiring system that turns the Flash into his own energy source, uh, end quote. And that is costume designer Michael Wilkinson. And he said, quote, we have these lines of circuitry crisscrossing his suit that allows him to become an electrical coil. In the final battle, he is able to harness his energy, and you can see it pulsating through the details of his suit, end quote. So they definitely put a lot of thought into the suit, and we see it here, not in action yet, but later we'll see it in action. Uh, and I think it's kind of cool how they thought through, like, Barry Allen making his own suit. Uh, they seem to have put a lot of thought into that. Like you said, I just I kind of wonder what you, what he said about the wires. I, I've always wondered, what um, what is it powering exactly? Is it just collecting energy? Yeah, that's that's true. Like, so he he's able to move, so that generates. Well, it's energy. probably to redistribute it, so it doesn't just zap everything around him. It's probably like a ground. Om- yeah, maybe it just kind of needs to collect it and direct it purposefully. Yeah, because there's going to be just a lot of energy generated. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I don't think there's a battery pack on it or anything like that. Just uh, just goes on the list of questions I'm going to corner Zack Snyder with if I ever see him. So I, I like a lot of Barry's dialogue here. Second favorite chair is not my favorite. But the competitive ice dancing, and then Bruce is like, this is what they use like you know, on re-entry into space, from space. And uh, he said the very competitive ice dancing. I like that. Yeah. And then this is where Bruce is like, okay, enough, you know, we, we've been doing this little dance, uh, but I, you know, we've had enough of that. I'm going to actually go ahead and put my cards on the table here with the, the old turnaround battering throw. So you said that this is one of your favorite moments of the scene here? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Zack Snyder is doing something here that I, I don't know. I don't know the guy, but I bet he's been thinking about this since he made Watchmen. All the ways that, like, in that, in that comic book, the way the there were visuals that would reflect each other across the chapters. And there were all these fun tricks that Dave Gibbons and Alan Moore did. He couldn't really do when you adapted the movie straight, which is what he did. Everything that happened in that movie happens pretty linearly like it does in the comic, but because it's not a comic and you can't just skip back and forth, it has a different effect. Mm -hmm. You know, you're watching, you pretty much have to start at the beginning and go to the end. I mean, that's how movies are meant to be watched. Yeah, which makes it different from that comic. But so he does something here that uh, that you can tell, you know, he might have been thinking about how do I do this in that linear format. So here we, we see an example of not just a visual reversal, but like a cool story reversal of something that happens in Batman versus Superman. Hmm. Go back to the nightmare sequence and Bruce snaps awake after, you know, having a vision of his own death in the dark future. And a flash appears to him in like some kind of badass time tunnel screaming at him from like, I don't know, the future. In that scene, we have uh, you know, lightning being thrown. Mm -hmm. We have uh, two characters in like, you know, like an enclosed, you know, kind of warehouse style space. And uh, most importantly, we got a what, what is it in that scene? Barry on the left, mm -hmm. Barry on the left in the background, Bruce on the right in the foreground. And right. Barry is reached out to Bruce mm -hmm. talking to him. And Bruce is, like, leaning back in his chair towards the camera. We come back to this movie, we come back to Justice League, this scene here in uh, Barry's, you know, warehouse building. Mm -hmm. uh, we get the same image. We get the same image in reverse. We see, you know, Bruce frozen in time, reaching out, having, you know, mid-throw at the Batarang. Yeah. And then Barry leaning back in surprise, you know, in, in the first scene in, in Batman versus Superman. The Flash knows who Batman is and comes to his house looking for him. Mm -hmm. And in this scene, you have Bruce Wayne, who knows who Barry Allen is, coming to his house looking for him. And in both situations, the other person hasn't heard of the first person. So it's this really cool time, story, and visual loop that's created by these two scenes. When did they first meet? When was the first time Barry Allen met Bruce Wayne? When was the first time Bruce Wayne met Barry Allen? Yeah. You know, it's a <laughs> Mobius. Yeah, and visual echoes of each other when they did happen. Like Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so it's not just this fun story thing. But, you know, my man Zack Snyder, he makes it visual, too. And that's, God bless him, man. Oh, I love it. Yeah. That is, that's great analysis. Uh, really great connection. I totally see what you're saying. It's all there. And I also would not at all put it past Zack Snyder for actually doing that completely on purpose. Like, okay, we're we're going to put these two characters together again. We're going to do an actual visual reflection of what we did the first time. I, I saw an interview with, I want to say Deborah Snyder or something. And she was, whoever the, man, I should have like pulled this up so I could cite it. But look, I read something. 
And somebody who worked on the movie was quoted as saying that scene, like the nightmare scene and, and that like sort of flash vision, that's kind of what I call it. Mm-hmm. That was actually added later. They had the whole main story. And then and then basically what people accused them of doing, which is like, well, what if we do a Justice League movie after this? And then kind of put some characters from that movie in this one, which I, mm-hmm. I make a big deal about it. Fine. I, I don't care. It comes out really cool in this movie. The way their powers are demonstrated and stuff like I think. Great little scene. And, but you can tell that if he was thinking about Justice League when he wrote the scene, which obviously he would be, mm-hmm. yeah, it makes perfect sense that he was already thinking about like the other half of this scene uh, where they're here and Bruce is meeting Barry. I mean, who knows when that idea came along, but it's definitely they, they had it in mind at least when they were shooting, I'm sure. Yeah, and you're right. They actually probably weren't that far apart in time. Because, uh, yeah, it probably was a, a later part of BVS's shoot, and then this is, you know, in the main part of the production of the Justice League shoot, which was right after BVS. So, yeah, I think it all it all like, works. If you're writing Batman versus Superman, it's not like if you have a good idea for Justice League, you're going to say, nope, no, I got to wait till I'm working on that. No, it's going to go in a notebook. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And speaking of the visuals that are going on here, another thing I like about it is the blue lightning. Uh, and Chris Terrio talked about how he looked into like blue shifts and red shifts when you're getting like close to the speed of light and stuff. And so here, this sort of movement goes to the blue zone as he's moving like you know near the speed of light, that sort of thing. Uh, and I just like the lightning effects around it to show his powers and the you know of course everything around else is slowing down. And he's able to just kind of be in this space uh, and see what's going on. But the the lightning is also a big thing in the Flash comics. Like, you know, the artists drawing the Flash comics, when he is using the Speed Force, there's just lightning all over the panel and going through the page and through the gutters and stuff. So I like how they brought that onto the screen here. And I also will say that the sound design is pretty cool. Um, as he goes into the Speed Force, the sound shifts. And then as the Batarang is coming towards the camera the sound kind of is building up with it. So I thought that was all just kind of well done and makes this a really effective moment. Yeah, there's, uh, there's so much great stuff going on in this scene. It's one of the best ones in the movie. Yeah, I agree. And there, uh, most of it, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a couple moments here in a second, but... Which I guess we probably only think that because we saw that at the Comic-Con thing. It's so, like we know it's Zack Snyder, and <laughs> if there's anything in it that's Joss Whedon, it's not much. It's, <laughs> yeah, so it's... I think it's like, yes, a masterpiece. (laughs) Yeah, it's, uh, there's a couple shots that are Joss Whedon, but the scene overall is a Chris Terrio, Zack Snyder scene. And like the Chris Terrio writing, like, I also just like this, how Bruce Wayne is here because he has figured out, okay, this is Barry Allen. He has superpowers. I'm going to recruit him. But I love it that right when Bruce Wayne is showing you, like, I know you have these powers. I'm throwing this battering right at you. But what I like about it is this is also the scene that Barry realizes it's Batman. And I just love how they combine those two moments, and it's sort of unspoken here as he looks at the Batarang. He's like, wait a minute, that's a Batarang, that's Batman. And so as Barry is getting found out, he actually is finding out who Batman is. So I just love how they put those two together in the same moment. You know something? To, yeah, that's, you, you get my, uh, my gears going, too. That's a, it's kind of a credit to Bruce Wayne that he's able to throw that batarang fast enough. Like imagine somebody trying to forget trying to shoot Barry Allen. Mm-hmm. Imagine trying to pull a gun on him. Yeah. As as you go through your waistband and yank it, then you know, he just stops time, but he actually gets the batarang into the air before he's like, Oh, I need to like move. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And I think it does show Bruce's like tactics because 
he was turned away from him yeah, exactly. and he was waiting till Barry was actually saying something like Barry is talking and thinking about what he's saying. And that's when Bruce like chooses it as his moment to throw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's uh damn Batman's cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a great moment. You know, we can kind of just praise it uh, on and on, but yeah, it's very cool. I also really like how Barry Allen grabs the Batarang with his fingers out and it's like right towards camera. Uh, just good blocking there as well. Yeah, yeah. And a great framing of that shot, putting the Batarang right there. It's just a whole thing. It's beautiful. Wow. Sumptuous yeah. visual feast. Yeah, it's it's good stuff all around. Um, so he grabs the Batarang uh, and he turns toward and says, you know, you're the, so you're the Batman. I like also the the there, you're the Batman. I like also Bruce Wayne, like, exhales, like, I'm glad that that didn't go right into his forehead. <laughs> yeah. Well, to him, to him, he threw the batarang, and then there was an explosion of lightning that lasted, like, half a second. Yeah, yeah, for Bruce, it <laughs> was less I mean? than half a second, you know, it was just a, yeah, yeah, that's right, for him, it's like, I just threw this, and okay, he has it in his hand now. <laughs> and not just that, but like I said, like, the lightning everywhere, like, it would just, boom, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, I would, yeah, you're right, yeah. I, like <laughs> even batman even batman <laughs> um but this is a nice little moment here too of uh so you're fast and that feels like a simplification oversimplification again <laughs> i like i like almost all of barry allen's dialogue here now this here so bruce says i'm putting together a team and barry right away before he even explains it says i'm in i need friends uh i just like this also for several reasons like i like the contrast to how tough of a time Bruce had with Arthur Curry got thrown up against the wall and then it ended up not working out. And so for Bruce to just be so happy, they're like, Oh, like you want to join. Like I'm, you know, it's nice to have somebody that's coming along easily on board with the team. And I also like that for the, just the movies flow. I like it that Arthur Curry's just like, no, like leave me alone. Cyborg is sort of like uh, dealing with his own issues and he needs, you know, he needs to kind of, find his own peace before he can, you know, join a collaboration. Diana is convinced because Themyscira is in danger and she knows Bruce. But I like it that one of the people on the team is just like, oh yeah, sure, I'm on board. Like, let me in, you know. Uh, so I think that gives it a nice dynamic. I don't think it would work very well to have everybody, like, playing hard to get. Then that's kind of like the same beat over and over again. Like, oh yeah, the world is going to end. You're right, dude. Yeah, that would, no. Yeah, so it's nice to mix it up. Have somebody who joins easily, somebody who you know is is just playing tough, and then somebody who's kind of like lonely and isolated, and uh, gives it different dynamics each time. So they're all kind of lonely and isolated. That's part of that Venn diagram. Yes, I think they're all, but in different ways. So like, uh, but I do think that's a big theme of the movie is isolation to collaboration. Yeah, and Barry is is isolated but he's looking for he's kind of reaching out and he's listening to his dad like hey maybe i need to actually try something you know to move forward and then arthur is isolated because he doesn't really have a home he's kind of between two worlds diana is isolated because she sort of turned her back on people dealing with her own stuff bruce is isolated because he's batman and he as we saw in bvs he was kind of in a very dark place where he shut out a lot of things and he's now trying to like let other people back into his life and he's trying to you know open up some doors to other people um so yeah it's definitely to me that is a one of the really strong themes of the movie is people are isolated in their own ways but they also in their own ways find a way to come together and actually like make some new friendships yeah lovely 
Now, the next little part here is uh, we don't want to focus too much on like who shot what scene, who shot who shot which part, whatever. <laughs> but this one, his hair changes, his skin changes, and like the background kind of changes. So I can't. <laughs> I can't go by it without sort of saying like, yeah, this is a reshoot by somebody else that was put into the scene. I don't mind the sort of people are difficult. People are kind of slow. That's okay. Like if it looked better, if his hair looked better, the lighting was better. I could maybe like buy that. It's almost sort of like a putting him slightly on like the autism spectrum, just barely with, you know, sort of, I'm not sure how to handle social interactions, that sort of thing. People are at a different speed than I am. That's kind of an interesting thing to play with a little bit, uh, a that's, that's character thing, idea. Though. Yeah, people are always like slipping autism into stuff or accidentally realizing that they've written autistic characters. That's that's happened too. Uh, it just uh, it makes me think of uh, the Predator, the Predator movie that came out a few mm-hmm. months ago. Mm-hmm. There's a character in that. It's like a huge plot point in the movie. That this character's autistic, so it's just I don't know. People are uh, people are commenting on the state of things, and again. Bunch of millennials. I guess one of them has to be autistic. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah sure. The part that I don't like, so the lighting, the hair, that stuff does not work very well. But the, the brunch thing, yeah. the brunch one did not work very well for me. Like brunch seems like, what are you talking about brunch for? Like that's kind of out of nowhere. It seems like it's trying to be sort of like, oh, it's random that he brings up brunch and that's kind of funny or it's quirky. But I'm like, Brunch it does not resonate with me as a touchstone for this character. I know they put it in and they want to have a callback to it at the post credit scene or whatever. I didn't like the brunch thing. It's uh, it doesn't, you know. There's no information being delivered. You're not learning anything about his character because you already know that he has a hard time with people. You know, it's just it's shoehorned in there. And again, yeah, again to to do a joke later and set up a joke later in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. I like awkward uh Barry, but but uh yeah, this is a little much. Yeah, and like my experience with brunch is not an hour long wait. I don't know if like in different cities if brunch is known for having like really long lines. But... Yeah, everything's an hour long wait. So he yeah, I feel him on that one. Yeah, like God imagine waiting to get food if you're him. Right. Well like that would be okay, like uh but to me brunch like I don't associate brunch with necessarily long lines like if you would have done something where it's like yeah it's something that i have to wait for it's really hard for me because man it seems like forever i read that is the way i interpret that is like i said like you know him going out to eat with people must be a pain in the ass and i guess if you had to pick the lamest meal to go out for i guess it'd be brunch but i don't know man i had a pretty good avocado shrimp wrap one time you know but for him like i said yeah going out being with people and like <laughs> waiting especially waiting on food dear god i can't imagine what that must be like for him mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that's how i took that line so it makes sense like to me it, yeah. it makes sense it just doesn't actually add anything to the scene i don't like it i got you okay i i you're actually helping me uh get on board with it a little bit more uh, i'm not sure if brunch is still the best way to go with it but no it's, yeah i see what they're going for they're like yeah. editing like in terms of editing and the pacing and and uh giving us information about the characters and stuff you could have just you could have just cut the scene at um uh, i need friends it's kind of the way it's cut in the trailer you don't need that extra stuff it's like but that's the irony of it is, you know, two hours, zero minutes, one second. Mm-hmm. That's the irony. Of that. Yeah. 
Uh, I do like the little stinger on this here with the can I keep this for the Batarang in his face there. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. very good. So the, <laughs> no, 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 that is good. The last little bit here, so they're walking out uh, to the car. He's eating pizza, um, and this is where he <laughs> gives a very brief explanation of the Speed Force. Not in detail, but he sort of just says, yeah, I, I can do this thing. Uh, I call it the Speed Force. So there it sounds like Barry Allen has just dubbed it the Speed Force to himself, you know. Yeah, that who, who's going to tell him that? You know, you got to have a word for it. So just let him. Yeah, it makes sense for him to come up with. Yeah, I call it the uh, you know Speed Force. You know, like sure, whatever. <laughs> and it also so he's kind of on his own to this point. So he made his own suit. He's he has to be the one to figure out what the Space Force thing is, what he wants to call it. Also, we should have said earlier on the screens you could see some of his designs. You know, like he's doing designs of his logo, he's doing designs of his suit and stuff. So he's working on, you know, a lot of the stuff by himself. Yeah. I can imagine why he would want to um, have friends, you know. But I also like the idea, just uh, if people aren't familiar with The Flash very much, I like it that he does say in here, it's not really that he's going super fast, it's that he's manipulating space-time itself. So he is just slowing down time so that he can he can operate within it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a whole uh, spectrum. It's a whole spectrum <laughs> of things, it's not just him moving if it was just him moving fast he'd set everything on fire like that guy uh, i showed the I, I was showing the scene to my friend earlier he hasn't seen justice league he's watching him like draw the marker on the guy's face he's like would his face like explode he's like yes yeah, so, uh, I'm, I'm just like yeah it would so there's it's more than just speed it's also like you said like he's actually manipulated and you notice he does that and there isn't an explosion of lightning so there's some kind of i mean maybe i'm sure it depends on how much you're doing if you're just drawing on someone's face Maybe that's not enough to, to generate the lightning. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so many. Oh, I, I'm really excited to see a Flash movie if they keep the... It looks like what they've done is they might be changing the aesthetic of the DC Universe with these new movies. But I, I don't know. I'm thinking that they might be keep. We'll see. We'll see in, a, in like a couple of weeks uh, whether they're going to keep that sort of <laughs> extreme detail. Mm-hmm. You know, those little... The, these little... You can compare the characters to like real physical things. Like Aquaman isn't just underwater in that in that scene where we see him uh, on the uh, submersible camera. Mm-hmm. He isn't just underwater. He's in the Tonga Trench. It says that on the screen. He's like twenty five thousand feet down or something. Mm-hmm. Look that up. The water yeah. pressure down there is incredible. It's like six tons per square inch in your body, and he moves around freely. Yeah. So if you you take that. You take those numbers, you have a good idea of how strong he is. You know he can probably go all the way down. Yeah. Like these movies, unlike uh, like a lot of other comic book movies, they try to they try to give you these sort of points of reference. Like mm-hmm. Superman, like a dude knocks his ass out, like out doesn't kill him, mm-hmm. but apparently like it's it's a uh, but it doesn't affect his suit at all. So you know that that gives you these clues about like how strong these guys are. Right. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, it, in that spirit, like, I wonder how fast he does have to be going, what he has to be doing to generate lightning. Right. And if and are they, like, consistent in that? Yeah. Uh, hopefully they are. We'll see as we go farther along, you know, because we've, we've so far just gotten these very small little tastes of it. We can try to see if they're consistent in that uh, use of powers and stuff. But, yeah, you're right. Like, one of the things that's really fun about Man of Steel is how much thought they put into the details like that and then BVS. Uh, and hopefully going forward, yeah, they kind of keep at least some elements of those. Yeah, like for me, I, I really appreciate a Man of Steel 
from early on when Clark is pushing up the the big oil rigging from like the the big steel I beam or whatever, and as he's push, right. as he's pushing it, it's bending and collapsing. I'm like, thank you, like that is physics. If you were pushing there, yeah. it would just start to bend and collapse there. If he's the strongest point, then yeah, everything's gonna break around. Oh, that's when I saw that movie. I was like, oh, this is gonna be badass. Like <laughs> that moment, everything else was so metal and, and like like heavy metal magazine before that, but then just that moment where he's the, yeah, the uh, oil rig just pivots on him and breaks around him. Oh, my God, that was so cool. And that's how I knew. I was like, yeah. oh, we're in for it. So I've always been looking for that stuff, like the Tommy yeah. Trench stuff, all those details, because they're there in these movies. I love it. I love it. Right up my alley. Yeah. Now, it's not there in every scene, because there is a scene at the very end of the movie where Superman is carrying another large, heavy object, and it's not necessarily obeying the, the laws of physics anymore. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. carrying a building? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but here with uh, with Barry, we get um, that he needs a lot of calories, and we get the snack hole. We, um, he's eating the <laughs> yeah. pizza, and that will be something that comes up later about him, you know, needing the calories and stuff. And I, I like that part of the Flash. I know some versions of the Flash they do mention like the calorie intake. Others don't really. Um, I think it's I'm fine with it, you know, as part of the character. Yeah, it it comes up uh, a lot in a lot of different versions, but for me, it doesn't. It's like a fun little quirk, but to me, I don't think that like if I'm writing the Flash, I wouldn't give him that. It doesn't matter, but I mean, just in my mind, like, what are the downsides to being Superman, like Kryptonite? And I guess if he wasn't in sunlight for a really long time, that would be a problem. Mm-hmm. These characters, they all like even Aquaman, like fire and and the desert don't actually bother him that much. Like it's in fact, like he's like kind of impervious to fire. He doesn't really. They don't. Their weaknesses are things like, you know, like kryptonite or in Martian Manhunter's case, fire, something really direct like that. Mm-hmm. For Barry Allen's power to to give him this sort of, like he needs to eat a lot. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't see it. I think he'd just probably have a normal metabolism because, again, he's not just going fast. He's also kind of warping space and time. So I don't, maybe that I'm sure that energy, well, the energy would have to come from the speed force. That's what would actually be generating that power. It's nothing his body's really doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure, well, then again, he's moving around. I don't know, man. I'm overthinking it again. But that's, that's just uh, the fun math of these movies, figuring out how that would work. But uh, to me, either way, yeah. yeah, it makes sense that he would eat a lot of food, sure. Yeah, I can take it either way. Like, I, I have no problem with it, uh, but I also wouldn't miss it, you know, if it was gone. So I'm I'm kind of just either way on it. I do, I do like here when they're getting in the car and he says... <laughs> How many people are on this special fight team? I think that's just great to refer to it as special fight <laughs> team when you're in a movie called Justice League. <laughs> uh, and it's also yeah. good too here because Bruce is like three, you know, and <laughs> including you. So it's like uh, not exactly a, a, a very confident sounding number there with three. <laughs> and then, you know, so Barry's a little bit skeptical now as he's getting in and he says, against what? You know, like, what are we going up, up against? And he says, I'll tell you later on the plane. And I think this is a really nice organic flow to the conversation here as they're going, because yeah, Barry is asking like, what have I, what am I really getting into? Three people. Oh, okay. So this is a very small team that I just joined. What are we up against? I'll tell you on the plane. And then the plane makes him think like, okay, I'm seeing this car that we're getting into. And then you just mentioned a plane. So that's when he asks, what are your superpowers again? And Bruce says, I'm rich. And I think that was edited well, delivered well. Uh, that like, it's it's a humorous line, but it was also just pulled off effectively as the doors are coming down in the car and the shots of the faces and the delivery of the lines. I think that humor works really well. Yeah, it's a it's great delivery, uh, well shot, well blocked. 
it's a good little you know this movie has a lot of scenes that are really good and edited together really well but then like the way they're stitched into the rest of the movie and the stuff added around that it's noticeable ah, i would love to see that snyder cut i'll just say that how about that i'd love to see the snyder cut of this movie <laughs> yeah i agree with you on that the last little part last little moment of the scene is the car so we see you know the steering wheel the dashboard we've seen the doors come down we see it drive off now this is very blatant product placement and it's very like glamour shot of the vehicle but i'm okay with it because it's actually to me part of the joke about the i'm rich and then i'm like okay that i'm rich is actually pretty funny and so i will give you a few seconds to kind of almost just pile on to the rich line and to show this fancy car you know as far as product placement is concerned this movie, this movie series, ever since the beginning, product placement has actually been pretty big, but it's usually stuff like places, not so much product all the time. You got the cars, especially, but everything else, it's mostly like you see Sears and 7-Eleven in, um, in uh, Man of Steel, just mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that works into the story because it's important to show that stuff and show that this is the quote unquote real world that they're living in because it's actually a story point. Lex Luthor is so dangerous and so powerful. He's not a crime boss. He has a, I mean, he is, but he has like a legitimate, huge company that he owns. And it's the same with Bruce Wayne, except Bruce Wayne isn't, you know, evil. And Bruce Wayne, it's not just that he has this huge company. It's that he has all these, just like people in the real world, has government ties and stuff like that that lets him get access to things like, you know, like the Suicide Squad binder or the, just, well, I guess the Justice League binder. You know, like, like it's it's not just uh, what your job is or what your contract is with the government. It's literally personal relationships and connections between people like Batman and Amanda Waller. Mm-hmm. So in this world, you know, logos, to, to me anyway, seeing these logos, seeing these brands is actually kind of important because it puts Wayne Enterprises and it puts LexCorp in with all these other uh, organizations. And it can get you thinking as you're watching this movie. It can get you thinking about how powerful are people really in the world who, who own and uh, operate the comparable real world organizations to the ones in these movies? It's a, so to me, like uh, the product placement we see in these movies, like, yeah, who's buying a Lexus? It's a Lexus right off the, uh, or was it? No, it's a Benz, Mercedes Benz. It's yeah. like, yeah, who's, who's buying that? That, that car is actually, it isn't even a real car. It's a concept car. It's a concept car. They had to make special to fit Ben Affleck into it. So it's like, <laughs> Who's that really for? Who's the in Batman versus Superman when he's driving his um, James Bond car? Which one was that? Oh yeah, I can't remember, but yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's not. It's not the same as like ah, I'm gonna drink a refresh. Alfred, Alfred, bring me a refreshing ice cold Coca Cola, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's communicating something about the world and it, and it fits with what's going on in the story. And it, and again, it just says something about Bruce Wayne that he has a concept car. He has it in Ohio, like when he's, <laughs> if I flew in to a, a, another city to meet somebody, I would have to rent a car or get a taxi. Oh my or God, something. right. Yeah, you're right. He probably loaded it on the plane. A quick <laughs> note about that. I don't want to, if it was me listening to this, I just sort of cover something really quick. If it was me listening to this and I knew where the flash lived, I'd be really pissed off if we kept saying Ohio and it was wrong. So I, th- I think it's like Missouri or Kansas or something. I'm sure there's a clue somewhere that we haven't seen. Somebody tweet at me about that at yeah. at JLU Pod. Um, 
retweet the show and tell me if you know because like Gotham is in New Jersey, like it is in New Jersey, Gotham, common New Jersey. So there's there's all kinds of clues like that in paperwork and stuff in this movie. So if anybody actually knows, I'd really like to know where Central City is supposed. To be. I think Midway City is in um, it's in Michigan. It's near Chicago. So it's it's basically like this universe is Chicago more or less. Yeah, and I so I'll say like uh, it, from the comic books, uh, I usually think of Central City as like St. Louis type of city, and I'm from you know I live in live in Missouri, uh, but, or or Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of just an amalgam of that. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, I think of I think of uh, Midway City as north of that. So yeah, Chicago ish or yeah something like that. I saw, um, I did see a map. I think it's it's in Suicide Squad. But you can see a map of like Michigan, and there's like a little dot. Uh, like on the uh, oh, what's that? What's that lake? Lake Michigan is on the west. Uh, yes. Lake, okay. Yeah. So it is. Yeah, that's right. Lake Michigan. It's on Lake Michigan. Okay. I'll go back and watch it again. I guess I'll message you later. But but yeah. Yeah. So you get locations. You get geographic regions mm-hmm. for these cities. Like I have that that timeout uh, city guide for Metropolis and Gotham, and it's clearly yeah. on the east seaboard. It's a little yeah. little hard. To tell. I think it's the Delaware Bay, but that's where it was in the comics. Right. So in yeah. certain comics. Going back to the 70s. Anyway, yeah. I was bothered. Right. I'm just going off of that Ohio on the in the, the uh, train no, station no, there no. behind. Could be an Ohio line that also goes through right. Missouri. Like, that definitely could happen. So, yeah. It's 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 in there somewhere. Generic Midwest, uh, something like that. And, yeah, Bruce Wayne has this car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even, yeah. Even when he travels <laughs> into the Midwest. <laughs> Guy likes really? to ride in style and make an impression, I guess. I went to Jersey City and, and, you know, getting around there and doing anything, everything costs money, like like just parking anywhere. Like I know that most uh, cities have like parking meters and stuff, but I mean, even the parking garage at the mall, you're talking about like a two dollar minimum for like one hour. Some parking spots, I got one, I got one mall uh, when I went to the mall to pick something up, I had to pay a five dollar minimum to park in the parking garage. So just imagine if you're Bruce Wayne and money is like water in the river to you. And it's just nothing. You just walk over everything. Nothing is too expensive. Mm-hmm. And he, <laughs> there's there's literally no expense too great. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself, like he's, you know, I know it's a joke in the scene, but that's literally a superpower in this world. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that will be our analysis for scene 16 of Justice League. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and I also want to remind people that we are doing a BVS Ultimate Edition giveaway, uh, Blu-ray combo pack. It's unopened. It'd be a good gift, good one to put on your shelf. Uh, everybody needs to have BVS Ultimate Edition, so if you don't yet, uh, enter that giveaway. The details are on patreon.com slash jlupodcast, um, so look for that. Also, speaking of Patreon, uh, if you want to be part of our forthcoming Man of Steel full scene-by-scene analysis, we are going back to the beginning we're going back to that masterpiece from Zack Snyder to start off this universe with Man of Steel. Uh, we would love for you to join us as a patron at patreon.com slash podcast so that you can be with us there for that Man of Steel analysis. Our team here, I know Nick, is very excited to dig into Man of Steel. Uh, we're going to be scripting it out. We're going to be going to like, kind of like a depth like we did with BVS. So uh, how are you feeling about that Man of Steel stuff coming up? Oh, I'm excited. I want to talk about, I want to talk about the scene in the, the roadhouse. I want to talk about those fights. My God. Oh, what a great movie. We're going to have a great time. Yeah, so join us uh, if you're interested, if you're a fan of Man of Steel, at patreon.com slash podcast. And thanks again for listening and for your support of our show. Yeah, thanks for listening.